Welcome to On Repeat, the weekly podcast giving you an insight into the minds of musicians. With me, Ellie Rashid. And me, Hattie Winter. This week, we're keeping the band Talk Show On Repeat and talking all things music with singer and guitarist Harrison Swan. If you've not heard of Talk Show, get ready for them. The four-piece post-punk band have been named a force of nature by Clash magazine and are part of NME's Ones to Watch list for 2020. Both titles we couldn't agree with more. In this episode, we get a real insight into Harrison's creative process, and we talk the origins of deciding the talk show name, stealing marketing, writing lyrics, and of course, honing your craft. Before kicking off the interview, we'll include a snippet of talk show's music, and do bear in mind that this episode was recorded pre-lockdown. Now sit back, relax, and keep it on repeat with Harrison Swan from Talk Show. Yeah, we're kind of like post-punk, gothy, kind of bit shouty, but also a little bit romantic because I'm an idiot kind of thing. Yeah, you do have a little bit of a romantic yeah. vibe, don't you? Yeah. yeah. Very romantic, yeah. very romantic lyrics. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll, yeah, we'll yeah. get into this yeah. later on. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you all met at Goldsmiths. Yes. Yeah, so um, I met George at a house party because we were complaining in the corner of a room about how much we hated the music that was playing. And kind of unanimously went, um, oh, you you like the same bands that I like. Do you want to be in a band? And we were like, yeah, cool, fine. So then me and George were playing together for a while with like a few other people. And then uh, George was living with uh, our guitarist, Tom, who then joined. And then the last person to join the band was Chloe, our drummer. And I was basically, I was talking to a mutual friend outside the library about needing a drummer for the band. And Chloe sat next to him and went, um, oh, I play drums. And I was like, cool, come to rehearsal tomorrow at nine o'clock. So, yeah. It worked out pretty well. Yeah, yeah. It's it's funny that you, you spoke about meeting George and kind of uniting over disagreeing about something. Because I have a feeling that that's the first time I properly met you at... Um, I think at a show, at some kind of show, and you were outside. It probably was. I reckon that's about how 90% of bands find their bandmates because they're stood outside of gigs and this is shit, we can do better. That's how I found my friends. Yeah, 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 yeah exactly. <laughs> I hate everyone here. Yeah. You too? Great. We're great. Yeah. We're yeah. going to get on. Am I right in thinking that Chloe wanted to join even though she thought your name would be torture? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, again... <laughs> fantastic piece of intelligence from chloe uh, is that we well, the band was already um was already kind of going and we were like right we need to pick a name we don't have a name went through loads of stuff loads and loads of stuff and just nothing was like clicking didn't sound right and then um me and george were like oh talk show is a great idea and we're like okay cool so then bring it to chloe and tom and I was like, yeah, we decided on a name, talk show. And Chloe's a bit like, mm, okay, yeah, I mean, I can run with it. That's fine. And I was like, okay, I mean, I thought it was all right, but she's happy with it. The next day, we're like, actually, we're going to be called The Talk Show. And she was like, what? What did you just say? And I was like, 
the talk show. She's like, no. I was like, what? She's like, I've told all my housemates and friends we were going to be called torture. And I was like, no, 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 no. We are not going to be called torture. Absolutely not. So yeah, she's like, I just couldn't understand your northern accent. I'm sorry. But she ran with it. Yeah, she ran with it for like, well, I said the next day, it was about two weeks that she ran with it and told everyone that we were going to be called torture. No wonder we couldn't find any gigs for like two months. It's so difficult to come up with names, I think, isn't it? It's impossible. To come up with a name, we went through loads of stuff we didn't want first. So we went through like, we don't want certain words and we don't want animals or we don't want Mm. whatever you go through things you don't want so then you can start to narrow it down i remember just like i mean i mean i do this for lyrics as well just like being on the bus and just like looking at every shop sign Mm. or like reading books and just like oh that that'd be good that'd be good that'd be good Mm. i remember me and george like wrote this like huge mind map of like a million different words are going like trying to piece stuff together and even that didn't work and then I think must have just really randomly gone. Let's call ourselves talk show, or just like, oh, that's a good band name, and then I just stuck like with that. it. Like yeah. process of elimination. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what doesn't work. I think it helps also when, you, in terms of actually writing as well. When we were first starting, it took me ages to kind of get. I mean, talk show is the first band I've ever really been in, and so it it took me ages to get talk show going because I didn't really know what I wanted to write. Because you're going, oh well, I like this and I like that and I like this and I like that. But then doesn't mean that you're probably best at actually doing those things. You're probably better going, right, well, I don't want to make this kind of music and I don't want to make that kind of music. And it's a process of elimination. And it's not. It's also not a negative w- a way to approach it. It's it's just more productive. It's like going shopping. You you kind of you kind of know what you're looking for. Say you want to go buy a suit or whatever. Be like, well, I know I don't want pinstripes. Pinstripes, <laughs> and I don't want a three piece and I yeah. don't want it to have a load of flowers on it and I want it to be fitted. I don't want it to be baggy and, and by process of elimination you go, all oh, right, okay, well I've got what I needed. Yeah. Once you get used to it and keep saying it, yeah. it kind of grows, mm. I think, and and you get used to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I imagine. Well it's like at first everyone was like, Oh, is it because you kind of got like a spoken word delivery kind of thing? I was like, Nope, literally has no <laughs> meaning at all. And now we never get asked that question because no one the name of talk show has arguably lost its meaning a little bit with the band. No one kind of goes, oh yeah, is that is it somehow related to talk shows? So, no, not not at all. Yeah, yeah. So it's like trying to find like meaning in it. Kind of like when people are like, what's your tattoo for? Yeah. And it's like, yeah, yeah. actually nothing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It looks good and I wanted it on my arm kind of thing. It's like, <laughs> it sounds good and I wanted my band to be called it. It's, it's the same. If talk show were a talk show, who would you have on your talk show? Oh, oh, dead or alive. Right. Like you're dead like, or alive. Dead or anyone you want. Like you've got like three guests, like your Michael Parkinson. Who would you have? Oh, okay. So, well, this is kind of, it's difficult because if it was the band, it'd probably be different because we'd each have our own one person that we'd want. If it was kind of like dinner party guests. Yeah, let's get it. If I could choose my three, it would, I would, Always say John Cooper Clark, nice. uh, Muhammad Ali, and Frida Kahlo. Those mm. are my three. Those are my three. Strong. Because, Very strong. Because they're all really wacky, and I feel like everyone would be a right laugh. 
are really funny <laughs> and up for a party, mm. but also still really interesting. So when it's at four in the morning, you end up having a really, really deep one mm. with Muhammad Ali or something. It'd be great. <laughs> oh my gosh. It'd be great. It'd be so good. I think he'd have so much wisdom. Yeah, exactly. I think all three of them would have a lot of wisdom to pass down, yeah. like the stories they could tell. Yeah, exactly. Of like John Cooper Clark being just this like heroin addicted poet in Manchester and like the 80s and all the stuff he would have been able to say of like hanging out with Nico from Velvet Underground and stuff and then also Muhammad Ali being arguably the greatest sportsman of all time and all this kind of stuff it's like yeah yeah that's what and I've Frida. always said yeah I'm Frida as well yeah just Frida man that sounds like a good um dinner party yeah that's 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 I'll settle for nothing less that's all I'm gonna say we'll see what we can do yeah 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 do you take a lot of inspiration from, like, John Cooper Clark? Yeah, big time. I remember reading his first book whilst I was at uni and it just being, like, the penny dropping of just being like, ah, this is kind of what I want to write kind of thing. This is a style that feels natural and I felt was already writing in that way anyway, but I didn't know what to relate it to or to pin it to. Because, you know, we were talking about, like, process of elimination thing. Like, I was narrowing it down but then didn't have, like, a focal point still. And discovering John Cooper Clark and a lot of other bands as well at that time, like discovering a lot of like really, really weird, obscure seventies and eighties like goth bands and stuff was like, ah, okay, yeah, this look this is really I can see where where and what I wanna do with this. But I suppose if we were to do like the band did a talk show, who do we invite? We'd probably invite like the Stranglers or we'd invite Echo and the Bunny Men and mm. those of other people like that. Yeah, you've been compared to them quite a lot, yeah, actually. which is great. Like, we played, <laughs> we played a gig last night and some dude comes up to us and he's like, I've never heard of you, but you were great. You were like watching The Stranglers and I saw them in 1979. <laughs> I was like, you've just made my day, mate. You have no idea. You've made my day. But again, we've all got our own personal kind of influences. Like Chloe, when she first started the band, like, and she still is into this, but... I remember the first rehearsal, she was like, oh, cool, so like, what kind of stuff are we writing? Or what are we going to play? I was like, oh, well, what are you into? And she was just like, um, disco, funk, soul. And me and George just looked at each other and were like, oh, God, no, this is going to be really difficult now. But no, it still, it still works. And I think it's arguably hear that in what we're playing and writing a little bit. If you listen to Chloe's actual parts, there is definitely some of that in there. Maybe it's pretty obscure and it's pretty loose, but it is, it is the influence is still there. Because I would assume that influences the writing quite a lot, doesn't it? It gives its own sort of spin to what you intend to do. Yeah, I mean, early, in the early days, it was like, early days, it sounds like I've been going <laughs> 10 years, it hasn't, it's only been going like three. But when we, fir- when we first started, I suppose, yes and no, because I can't play drums every now and again I'll be like oh can you just try it a little bit more like this or like that rather than going no that's not right we need to scrap it um because it's got to it's it's got to be something that she enjoys playing as well and the whole point of how we write is that I would originally start with an idea and take it to the band and then we'd expand from it it's now way way more even Tom will bring something in George will bring something in Chloe will bring something in and go can we write with this Obviously, stuff naturally changes, and the band will go. I don't. I'm not really feeling mm. that. Can we change it up? And you, you kind of have to take one on the chin and go. Okay, cool, fine. Like, 
the the band this isn't right so we need to rethink rethink it i'll come in with an idea and it will completely change over the kind of however many weeks or months it takes us to write that song sometimes sometimes it happens in a day and we finish it on a day and that's like cool that that doesn't need anything else we're fine with that other times we've we've slogged over songs that take a year year and a half to write but i think we've got as we've learned to play with each other better and because of doing the amount of gigs that we've now done with each other it's it's a lot quicker than it was um because we've learned each other's playing styles basically do you start with lyrics then as your main idea or the music completely changes completely changes there'll be some stuff that sometimes i'll bring in a riff and then play it to the band the band will kind of start playing whatever they think will fit to that they'll be playing and then i'll actually stop playing and go i think this sounds better without me playing that riff so i'm now just going to sing so now i'm just going to add words to it or do you mean it's and i'll just and so now it's like i'm just singing in this i'm not even playing guitar Sometimes I will have, I will have written a full verse or whatever. I'll stop writing a riff or writing a part to it. And then due to the nature of it not quite fitting, stuff will change of what I've lyrically written. Completely depends. Pretty collaborative then. Mm. Yeah, definitely. We always wanted it to be that way because especially when you, when you play in the set so many times, people have to feel some ownership of it. Mm. I mean, it's different, obviously, if you have a load of session players, but we're all skin i can't afford to get session players in i also don't want session players yeah. i don't want someone that's going to join us for three shows and then never play with us again or whatever i want someone that's going to be in the band that they have ownership of it and part of that is kind of feeling ownership of the songs and the set and everything else that goes with it definitely i think that comes across on stage because i saw you guys in islington maybe? oh yeah like the lexington in, yeah which yeah, is yeah. really really cool um and it's quite funny you say that you didn't have you don't have any money for session players because I'm pretty sure like was it like Tom's string like broke? <laughs> oh yeah. Well, so oh my god. So the first song, I'm notorious for snapping strings. Like I go through them like they're butter. I have to take spare spare guitars to to gigs because I will break one. Like I will break a string, and then <laughs> it sounds yeah. really threatening. Yeah, I will break a string. I, I will break like, a string. Anxiety inducing as well. Like, do you not? Maybe you're used it's to worse. it. It's worse. Well, it's, it's frustrating because when, when we we played in Milan back in September, obviously we can't afford to take loads of gear with mm. us. Our, my suitcase is my guitar in a hard case, and then I have all my clothes in my in my bag on hand luggage, so I can't take a spare. I remember the first song we played. I snapped a string and was like, right, just going to have to get on with this and it'll be fine, but we'll get through it and it's fine. And then halfway through the set, I snapped another string. So I'm playing with like four (laughs) strings and I'm like, this is just, this is just awful. Like this is now a car crash that I can't stop. It's like crashing a car and the brakes aren't working going, oh my God, can we just hit this wall now and just it end it was awful what do you do like do you have to explain the situation no because you've got you just gotta get on with it i hate that when i go to gigs and the band is making excuses for themselves i don't unfortunately i don't really care like you need (laughs) to get on with it like the show must go on yeah uh, that the show has to go on you have to get to the end of it moaning that you can't carry on because you snapped a string or 
And my other pet peeve as well, which I think so many artists in early on get wrong, is explaining every song before they play it. I don't care, unfortunately, that this song is about your cat that you've not seen in two weeks. Like, unfortunately, it does. It's not. The audience isn't there to to hear you explain it. They're there to hear you play it. And unfortunately, if you've not ex- if you've not told your story well enough in your song, then you shouldn't have explained. You, you've you've written a shit song. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. if if you've got to explain what this song is about, then you've not done your job in writing a song. Um, I find it quite endearing when. Uh, like bands or solo artists or whatever just don't say anything like i remember seeing bjork mm. a few years ago and the only thing she said was at the end she just went thank you yeah exactly because she doesn't need to, it's it's because you're not there to hear yeah. her explain her yeah. stuff to you you're there to see her play it yeah. like obviously there's a difference between like having a bit of banter with the, with the crowd or whatever and i think again that's really hard to learn it's taken me a while to learn it as well. And you kind of, sometimes you realise some crowds aren't, don't want to have a chat and a laugh with you. They're there to watch you. But some, if they're really dry and you crack a joke and everyone starts laughing, then everyone's really into your set. So it, it works both ways. How, how long did it take you to learn to be a showman? Because I think I saw you at your like final year show. Yeah. I remember like sneaking and you were like the only band I saw like snuck in I got like a really good seat yeah, in the yeah. front and I was like hey I remember <laughs> staring at you for that entire gig of you in the front row like the front two seats in front of me I felt the like whole a... gig of you just like oh my god I was so proud I was yeah. like a mother goose but you had like this real like showmanship kind of like energy there um I th- I've always been a show off. Like I am a show off. Like I've got an ego. It's a big joke amongst friends. Like, uh, like, so arguably that's where it comes from. But I did a lot of drama at school. Like, did so, you? Yeah, I, like I didn't know this. Yeah, I wanted to be an actor originally. That's oh. kind of originally what what I wanted to do. And then when it came to applying for drama school or looking to like be in a band and be a musician, it was like actually no, I really really don't want to be an actor. I want to be a musician. It's just because at the time I couldn't play guitar and wasn't in any bands. Obviously, it was a lot younger, so I didn't have as much experience gigging or whatever. And so I'd kind of told myself to not do it. And then I had that kind of switch moment of going, no, I don't want to be an actor. I do really want to be in a band. But if I want to be in a band, I've got to start learning guitar, writing songs and going out and d- like doing it. I've got to go it's like mm. start now. So I think that's where it like switched. But I think the kind of, showmanship thing that's weird for me to say but that's arguably where it comes from a little bit but like you said earlier about us like all getting on and being collaborative I think that again comes across on stage because it's just just who we are as people mm-hmm. we function we're, we're four best mates and that's that's just how we're going to be it's how we write it's how we act backstage it's how we act in the car on the way to gigs or whatever it's just who we are as people so we're not going to change that as soon as we get on stage because I think everyone's a bit bored of really moody bands that think they're really cool and don't say anything like yeah. that just like stare and have no, actually no emotion on stage they just think yeah we are the coolest thing since ice cubes like we are <laughs> so so cool and moody and like god isn't this so profound watching this band it's like actually no you look like a bunch of idiots like you yeah. just look like you're not having fun yeah exactly 
and we are we are having fun like we're getting to like follow our dream do you know what i mean even though we're skint and not we've still never paid ourselves in the band once yet but it's still so much fun and it like and i suppose when you speak to musicians who have 50 60 and they go why'd you leave the band it's like well it's not fun anymore and that's the point i think that's why everyone then kind of stops obviously we've improved lots after performing loads and what you can get away with and what you can't get away with and like reading a crowd and seeing what the reaction is going to be like and like reading reading the room or reading the event that you're playing like where are you on that bill kind of thing because there's a lot of times i'll get into the crowd but there's sometimes if i'm dead low down the bill it's not my night there's no point in me getting in the crowd because everyone's just gonna be like who's this guy <laughs> like what like what we're not here to see you but then there's sometimes where it's, it's paid off where i'm going right i'm just gonna get into the crowd to be like oh okay this this support band are like decent and they're taking it like they're trying to get us involved and because mm. that's kind of i mean the level that we're at, at the moment we're doing a lot of support support shows and one of your main roles as a, as a support band not that we want to carry on being a support band obviously is like you've got to get the crowd warmed up that's the whole point and there's been sometimes like there's been some shows that we've I remember playing in france and like just before christmas room like room packed out did not know us at all like 500 600 people the show goes amazingly everyone's like loving it like finished the set and i was like one more song and me we're all looking at each other going what the hell this is crazy and going we don't have any more songs and we can't go back on like but george, george and chloe were like oh no we've got that we've got that and i'm like no no no, no. it's not our gig like we, it's not there's no point in us doing it just to like pat ourselves on the back a little mm. bit more. Mm. Like if they want one more song, we'll, they'll just have to buy a ticket to the next show when we come back kind of thing. So Keep on wanting more. Yeah, exactly. Do you think that's something that can be taught? Like, is that something that you learn at Goldsmiths at all? Or And, and the same with, you said you started just like riffing and learning guitar. Like yeah. how much did uni help with that? It'd be really un- unfair to say not at all. But arguably not at all. That, that is the case, like not at all. It's, it, but for, it, it's helped me for different reasons. Yeah, sure, I'm sure, never, yeah. no one is ever going to sign my band because I got a degree in music at Goldsmiths. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. that's the reality of yeah. it. Um, I didn't move to London for my degree. I moved to be a musician and used my uni to, to live here, to meet other like-minded people, and to try and start a band. And that is what I gained from Goldsmiths. And, and to be fair, I was never once sat down at Goldsmiths and gone, this is how you should write the perfect song. This is what will make you famous. Because you're not taught that. Which is, again, why I loved Goldsmiths. It's more just showing you such a broad range of music theory, music, culture, history. Every, it's not just music theory and fucking notes on a stave and whatever that otherwise I would have left after two weeks because it wouldn't have been me but yeah no you can't teach performance I'm sorry but you can't you have to learn it for yourself the only person that's going to turn you into a a good musician a good singer a good guitarist a good drummer is yourself you have to go out and gig that's why when I've been asked it before like what's the best piece of advice you can give to people that want to start out or whatever and it's always go and gig 
Yeah. Go and gig. Stop doing cover songs and go and gig. Yeah. You've got to cut your teeth. Yeah. You have to. You don't deserve to play your set to 200,000 people or 20,000 people, 2,000 people if you can't play it to two. Yeah. Like, and you haven't learned to play it to two. You will have some car crash shows. Everyone does. We've had loads of them. <laughs> we drove all the way to Stockton and played to six people. And like, we've done, you do those shows. Yeah, you do yeah. it. But after that show, one of those six people was a really big promoter for a really big festival and um, oh, came up to us yeah. afterwards and was like, you guys nailed that. And there was no, no one there to see it. Yeah. My one, always my one piece of advice is like, go and gig. Because cause no one's going to be able to teach you, like, stand there at that point and stand there and do this at this point and hit that note then. This is how you should form your set and you should do it. Like, you're the only person that can figure it out. Trial and error, I guess, yeah. as well. Yeah. Like, so yeah. getting things wrong. Yeah. There's been loads of times that, I mean, with our set in particular, we've written a song, start to play it, doesn't work, so it comes out the set for six months. And then we look, go back to the song, look at it again, it goes back in the set then it changes its order three or four times. We've just recently changed our set again. I mean, it's always changing. You speak to any band, their set is always changing. Mm. Um, and so, yeah, it is trial and error. You you have to figure it out for yourself. It's really annoying, but it is true. You, there's no one that's going to be able to teach it. You. We were saying earlier about being honest and true to yourself and all those kind of cliche phrases but they're really accurate they're really really accurate because that's what as fans everyone wants to go and see how many times have you been to gigs and you're like that was rubbish because you could tell they were putting it up putting it on how many times have you been to see stuff and it's incredible because it's them being them on stage and that's what the show is brilliant like you're saying about bjork like that's clearly her and she has figured it out over so many years after gigging no one's told told bjork sure yeah. how to play her tunes yeah yeah yeah, no one's told Bjork how to be Bjork do you know what I mean yeah I guess it's like it just it I think you can sometimes see bands or or artists and it can be like very formulaic they yeah they have to stand on that spot and then they have to go to this light and it's like yes I I get that that works and there is something Mm. amazing about seeing like a choreographed Mm. dance but there's also something about when it's like there there isn't like a sort of like rawness to it or like this Mm. unpredictability Mm. which is really refreshing to see yeah. in live music. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, in terms of like to relate kind of what like we do as talk show as well, there has been a massive resurgence recently of like alternative indie punk guitar bands like making a resurgence and putting on big live shows, like being and being very vocal about wanting to be good live. I mean, we always said as a band that I want. I like tried to describe it to George once, and I was like, I want it to feel like a steam train that's going so fast on the tracks, but it's like, and it's, but it's nearly falling off the tracks. That's how like fast it's going. That's how it needs to feel. That's what I want when I go and see a band. I want it to feel like really powerful and momentous, but it could fall apart at any second. But it just, just stays together. It's like that fine line that's like the best bit yeah. to get to the last guitar string yeah 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 <laughs> they've got down to yeah exactly the last guitar string and it's still going that's that's the fun stuff for me really so yeah i think there has been definitely that resurgence of it and especially live shows like it's always been a focus for us obviously the songs are incredibly important as well but it's adapted and changed by our live set a lot really and you know, like you're saying like the kind of choreographed kind of thing like you can tell 
certain bands have planned it. They're going to do that then and that then and that then. We have that. To, every band has that element to them somewhat. They kind of go, oh, well, we know we can extend this bit by another eight bars, 16 bars to kind of go mental. And if the crowd are into it, we have that moment. We have those moments as well, where if I do get in the crowd, I know that I can give George the nod that it'll be this song because there's that bit coming up where I can do it. You can't go to like Glastonbury headliners and not have some form of a stage plan. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like, do you have Because ever since I've known you, you've been working, you've, yeah, you've been like studying, you've been working, you've been in a band. Yeah. And how do you like keep going? Um, with a ridiculous amount of self-belief, like in, in total honesty that, yeah, the kind of narrow-mindedness you have to have to, to be an artist of, of any kind of artist, whether that's music or painting. It's not arrogance. It's just you have to be that that kind of driven mm. for it. I don't want to do anything else. I don't have anything else. I don't, like, like they say it, like, but you, you sacrifice a lot. I'm not going to sit here and whinge about it. But, I mean, but living in London, I've still got a full-time job. I have to because... I've got to pay bills like yeah, yeah. That, that's it but I wouldn't I wouldn't change it for the world if I could tell 16 year old me that like you will have done a gig in Milan a gig in France and whatever you, you you've never earned a penny from it but you will have done it it would be like sweet that's yeah. wicked like yeah. high five kind of thing realistically to, to keep going you've kind of got to have a really stupid amount of self-belief like I said, I mean, I'm the the reason I moved to London was to be a musician, and that was that was it. It's all I've ever properly wanted. And there are times when you kind of go, "No, I need to chill out a little bit." Like you kind of have a word with your, your mates are kind of going, "You're being an idiot at the moment. Can you kind of just chill out a bit?" And you <laughs> kind of go, "Oh yeah, no, yeah, yeah, yeah." Like I do need to kind of take a step back, and yeah, you sacrifice stuff though, like. I've got a full-time job and then I've, I'm in the band. That, that That's kind of it. I, mm -hmm. I have no free time, but I don't... Obviously, I'd love some free time, but if it means sacrificing some of the band or not paying rent, well, that's not... It's just not on the cards. It's just not going to happen. I mean, like, I'm, I'm lucky enough that I had... My mum was always like, I don't care what you do, just work hard at it. And I'm lucky enough that I had my mum say that to me. I know so many people don't have that situation. People go, no, you need a proper job and you need to go to University of Birmingham and then you need to go and study geography or whatever, like X, Y, and Z. Um, yeah, I'm lucky enough that my mum's always been my biggest fan in terms of that. Like, it's really cute, but I love my mum. Big up my mum. She's always been really supportive. Like, obviously, it's helped and benefited me. But there are some people who don't have that. I, I can understand that as a parent, you kind of go and your kid's going, I'm going to be a musician. You're going, oh, really? Really? It's such a stupid decision. And like, I, I joke with mates in the band and going, the worst financial decision I ever made was to be in a band. <laughs> like, it is the worst financial decision ever. But it, it yeah, that's when they kind of, the undeniable self-belief kind of comes into it. Yeah, I think I think you can kind of see people that are really driven and take it as seriously as, seriously as they do and are actually kind of, what's the word? Not summarising, but like looking at what they do and 
the way they approach it is is driven in a certain way that they're yeah I've worded that badly but yeah yeah it's I think you can tell the certain people that are just just on the right path with it um not to say some people don't deserve to go and pursue it everyone has that right everyone should be able to to do it but, but yeah I think it does take a certain type of person to 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 dare to pursue it um I think that's more the heart of it like it it's for some people and it's not for others really like you must yeah. like give a lot of yourself when you write yeah 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 like i've written songs recently and my girlfriend's going is this about me and i'm like it's not but you've kind of i'm telling you now that you you've got to get out of a habit of asking me this because if i say yes you may be disappointed and if i say no you may also be disappointed. <laughs> so just don't don't ask me the question because you might never like the answer, no matter what it is, even if it's mega complimentary song. It, it you just kind of, and I know that's hard for her. I've got this, I've had the same conversation with family because I've talked a lot about family and there's kind of been some stuff where my sister's gone, is it about that? And I go, maybe don't ask that question kind of thing. Mm. Like I'll tell you, but maybe don't ask that question or don't yeah. like you don't really want to know the answer. Yeah. Cause you, cause to be honest, you probably won't really want to know that answer because it is really personal. You have to, yeah. Come, come back to that point. You have to be a certain type of person to be prepared to kind of put everything out. Mm. And there are times when I've written stuff and going, Oh no, that's a kind of a bit too much. I'd rather kind of like hide that into something else. Not because I'm ashamed and I don't want to actually talk about it, but there's, I feel like there's a better way to put it across that's arguably more accurate. I think sometimes when you are really sad or really angry and you want to write a song, you go, yeah, this person, like, <laughs> God damn it, like, full stop, like, stabbing the page. But, <laughs> like, go back to it and go, no, I can talk about this in a better way. Yeah. Do you know mm. what I mean? It's kind of... Maybe it was too fueled by, like, emotion. Yeah, without, yeah, yeah, yeah. Without reflection. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's arguably why it's taken me so long to write certain songs. It's going, right, well, okay, I know it's about this, but how do I actually want to talk about this situation? Rather than going, these are my initial emotions, boom, like light it on fire and it all just like explodes, like whatever. <laughs> I mean, like gunpowder pen, like <laughs> writing so fast, there's like flames coming off the page or whatever. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, in a dark room with a candle, like torture. Yeah, 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 exactly. Oh yeah, torture's new album. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, please, please, just knock on my door if you ever find me doing that, and just going, Harrison, let's have a cup of tea. I've never, I've never thought about it, but actually, showing family or friends or close friends or your partner or whatever your your lyrics or your music mm. when they might know what a lot of it's about. Yeah. Do you find that? they are sometimes the hardest people to show. Uh, oh God, that's really difficult. Like, yes and no, because they're either going to undeniably have your back about what you've just written down. And if they haven't, well, cool, fine. Like, th but it's, it's written now and I'm, I'm, I'm yeah, putting yeah. it out there. I'm mm. going to play this song. I will be playing this song and I will be recording this song and I will carry on playing this song, unfortunately so. So you either, we have an open discussion about, what this is about right, right. are you okay with that? I mean they've never been that scathing that's needed that yeah but it, for a, an example or whatever like 
we can either talk about it and I'm going to tell you straight that I'm going to carry on playing this song or you can throw a, a hissy fit and you can always be angry at me. Mm. Yeah. But choose your side right now. Like we need, we, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like this, at the end of the day is my account of it. And the thing is like, me personally, I never want to be offensive. Even if I, do, if it, even if it is like a heartfelt song or whatever, right? I don't want to be offensive. I don't want to offend anyone, but I do want, for my own, but arguably it is pretty selfish. Like, I feel the need that I need to get this off my chest. So I write it into a song. So that is arguably a selfish account because that other person, if they're not a songwriter, doesn't get that chance. But it's not my fault you didn't want to be in a band. You should, have written, you should start writing songs about it. I don't know. Like Everyone's got their own outlet about stuff. Like for me, that's how I feel like I've managed to remain sane about loads of stuff is just writing songs about stuff. Are there any other things you do to kind of like keep saying like you said like um do you do you write poetry or no not really i i read a little bit of poetry like i read a little bit of john cooper clark i read a little bit of charles bukowski a little bit of charles baudelaire every now and again but again really loose like i'm bad for reading i think when you hear interviews with other writers and they go, you need to read more. You'll be so influenced by other things other than just music. But I write a lot by staring out the bus window, like looking and nicking phrases from adverts. Like it's genius. Somebody's already been paid to write that. And I can take that phrase and put it in and put it in a lyric. The the type of stuff that I'm into is quite kitchen sinky. And like John Cooper Clark, especially it's, it's kind of, I always wanted to make ordinary stuff sound extraordinary. And so stealing stuff from adverts and phrases from adverts is great because it's also, it's around us constantly. There's constant influence and inspiration all the time. I remember talking to a regular at the pub once who was also a songwriter and he was like, I don't really read that much either. Like life is inspiring. Like the, and unfortunately, if you're going to be one of these miserable people, like, oh, I'm not really not much inspiration knocking about. It's like, you're a fool. <laughs> you, you're a fool if you think yeah. that. Uh, so, yeah, I'm not, I'm not the biggest of kind of readers or whatever. I don't kind of also write poetry or also do, do whatever. What's the best thing you've nicked? Um, it's actually, oh, there's been loads of stuff. I mean, a big phrase is just fumar matter on the back of cigarette packets. Like it's in a song about working in a pub. And it's, I was kind of, I was sat in a pub writing it. And I just saw on the other side of the table, some bloke had been on holiday to Spain and brought some backy back with him. They just said fumar matter. And it kind of was just like, oh yeah, that, that will be perfect in this part of the song. And it's like the main hook of the song. So, it, yeah, there's little bits like that. Um, there's some stuff works, some stuff doesn't. And I think, again, like some stuff changes as well. It's like, okay, right, well, I've got that phrase. How can I make that now not about what that phrase was supposed to be intended for? Um, or what was that phrase advertising? Well, how can I change that to be about this situation that I want this song to be in? And you kind of flip stuff around and add a question mark or whatever it's... It changes it constantly. I mean, writing lyrics for me is just the most fun thing ever. And that's why I don't like... 
mean, I do like sitting at home and writing, but sometimes I like to just sit in public and just write and sit on a bus or sit in a pub or just, and a lot of the times with headphones in as well. I know some writers find that really difficult because you've got another voice going, but sometimes it's just kind of to just have words going in the background. Not that you're actually nicking words from that song, but it's just, it's constant simulation. It's like, you know, like a randomizer on, on the internet. It's like just constantly clicking it, clicking it, clicking it, clicking it, clicking it. And like going, that works, that doesn't, that works, that doesn't, that works. I'll take that, I'll take that, I'll take that, I'll take not that, not that. Do you know, it's like constant, um, there's constant content everywhere. Like you can't not find something to put in a song. People go, oh, I don't feel inspired. I don't know what to write. It's like, well, go walk down the street <laughs> like okay that might not be your style it is very my kind of style to write like that and especially it fits for my delivery of singing speaking kind of in the middle um I'm just, but for me personally my own writing side that's like it's it's everywhere like that it can be a song that turtle or the, I don't know that mug or the stains in the bottom of the mug or whatever it's like it's all yeah sorry I'm not, I'm not meant to insult Hattie's mug but it's all that kind of stuff is is inspiring do you know what I mean it's, it's, it's funny because I've, I've actually spoken to quite a few uh different I'm going to emphasize the different in a minute t- types of artists one was an erotic poet Mm. <laughs> don't ask <laughs> um, that's off paste that yeah, is off paste yeah. yeah and um another uh musician he writes just looking out the bus window as well and writes notes on his phone and uh this erotic poet <laughs> does the same thing as well writes erotic poetry on the tube and i just no yeah i mean imagine that's amazing over, yeah, yeah yeah that is so good that's mad it makes me wonder how many how many people do it and and if um i wonder if london if that's what keeps some people in london as well like because of the the amount of transport that's available the commute is like definitely seeps into the way that i write like it takes me an hour to get to work and it seeps into the sound of our ep that, that's coming out like a hundred percent it seeps into it in terms of lyric writing um uh production style um the pace of it um and also the the, the kind of the the like the slower motions of this of the EP or whatever, the slower periods of it are also still insanely influenced by by transport and being on the move and the commute because it's it it's yeah it's such a bizarre phenomenon the commute it, it fits for my style of writing because I like writing about people and the world and society not in a political way and not trying to pass any judgment on anyone either ever i've always tried to remain on the fence about stuff it's, it's merely observational styles of writing that's what i kind of like doing the music that i want to write the pace of it fits like there's so many times when i'll just like put something on and just have this like really abrasive 80s punk blaring <laughs> like whilst i'm storming through london bridge station or whatever but it fits it like 
I mean, I suppose everyone has their own thing of going, oh, this song fits for me walking through this station or whatever, but it's, yeah. Do you feel like you're in a film with it? Like, yeah, all the yeah, time. like you're one of those people. Yeah, yeah, all the time. And I've just like legged it down an escalator. I'm like, oh, I could just like slide down this banister and like dive through the doors and then I'm on the train or whatever. But Are oh. you one of those people who will sit on a train whilst it's raining and the the sort of um and it said tears then but you know raindrops like come down and you're like yeah like do you do you embrace your your sort of sadness a little bit but i kind of tend to watch myself i'm i'm like i'm i know we said earlier like there are romantic sides to what i'm writing but i'm never going to be the person that's going to be like overly kind of sad and woe is me blah 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 like the raindrops across the fields of wherever like it's not it's i'm just not a type of person like i've never let myself do that one i always find like i'm because i'm from manchester getting the train back home to manchester or coming to london is a great time to write and just stare out the window at just countryside and nothing and so you there are those moments of like raindrops on the window whatever but you're like i'll you'll get i'll catch myself doing it again what am I writing? This is just not natural at all. Like, it just doesn't fit to be overly, um, I can't think of the word, but like... Self-indulgent? Yeah, yeah, like overly self-indulgent about my own feelings and my own emotions. Yes, I want to get some stuff down on paper, but then if it's just self-indulgent, why is anyone else going to want to listen to it? Like, I've tried to always try and keep them as, keep my songs or like lyrics as open as possible that anyone can relate to it because it's more fun to do that. Mm. Um, I always struggle when you watch certain singers, writers, bands, whatever, and it's so self-indulgent. I can't, I can't click with it. I can't connect to it because it's too personal to that person that they're actually in a way not letting you in. Yeah. They're not letting you into their world. And in my eyes, not written a good song if I can't do that. I always try and keep it as open and as like open ended as possible. When I start writing lyrics for a song, I start writing lyrics with like as this happened or as that. And it's like it's weird that I always think of it as an as if the sentence has already started. And when I'm finishing it, I never want the phrase to actually feel like a full stop. I actually want it to still end like broad broadly like it doesn't actually sound like it's finished that's probably sacrilege some people would be like what you're absolutely mental but that's my personal style of writing um i'm super conscious of time so you have to get to work any final thoughts what are you listening to at the moment any bands you can recommend Ooh, okay um a really great poet performance called Sinead O'Brien. Brian Brian um irish woman um, kind of very spoken word kind of bit Patty Smith very John Cooper Clark she actually went on tour with John Cooper Clark recently um, uh, a band called Crush Beaks um, a band called Pet Shimmers from Bristol um, a band called Dame Frizzle loads of weird stuff loads of really weird stuff it's kind of a lot of stuff from Bristol actually there's loads of good stuff coming out of Bristol can I say yeah we're a, we're yeah, a great exactly. breed of people yeah um, yeah I think alternative guitar music's having a really good moment it's been said a million and one times by so many different people but there is a lot more out there and a lot on offer and it's good hey music might become mainstream Ooh. I mean let's hope so <laughs> yeah yeah maybe I'll pay the bills with it once who knows let's just 
thanks so much to Harrison for a great first episode. We hope you've enjoyed it as much as we have. You can find out more about Talkshow by following them on Instagram at Talkshow Talkshow, on Facebook at Talkshow Band, or buying their music on Bandcamp at Talkshow Talkshow. We hope you've enjoyed the episode and want to keep us on repeat. You can follow, subscribe and like us on your podcast platform of choice and slide into our DMs on Instagram by following us at onrepeatthepodcast. All information will be included in the show notes. On Repeat was made, produced and edited by us and the theme music is an original piece by Ellie's jazz band Fujiyama and wonderfully resampled by Dee the producer for the podcast. All of our guests give us permission to use their music. Thanks again for listening and don't forget to keep it on repeat.